Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Black Country Ramble. I, as ever, am a West Bromwich Albion fan and I am, as ever, joined by a Wolves fan. JB, Merry Christmas. How are you? Merry Christmas, young man. Um, I'm good, mate. I'm okay. Um, I'm still a little bit uh, perplexed, I think, is the word after um, Monday night's game. Obviously, we'll get our teeth into that. I think, like I said, I think it was a good call doing it today. I think we'd have done this podcast yesterday. Um, I might not have been as rational as I hopefully I'm going to be today. Um, Makes a change. Yeah, I'm okay, mate. Well, yeah, sort of. But um, no, mate, listen, it's Christmas uh, and, you know, getting the festive spirits and all that, mate. But I'm all good. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Obviously, Christmas is all but cancelled, but, you know, mm, at least. Absolutely. Yeah. We're here. At least we've got some football to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, mate. That's it, pal. So um, we are without the bad luck charm that is Kirko this week. Um, yeah. The fortunes in the black country weren't great while Kirko was featuring on the podcast. So hopefully nope. we've turned the corner. Good riddance to Kirko, yeah. <laughs> love, you, um, love you really, pal. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I wasn't happy with the texts I received at full time the other night, which again, we'll get our teeth into. So a uh, quick rundown of what we're going to do today, guys. Um, we're going to review the games as normal and there'll be a lot of manager talk because we had a very underwhelming first impression from Sam Allardyce and a lot of criticism for Nuno online, um, which we will get into. We will get into. Yep. Um and then we'll move on to our central midfielders um, in our 21st century Black Country 11. We gave that a miss last week and we are back on it this week. Um, and then we will look ahead to the January transfer window, which has come around so fast. It feels so like we, quick. Yeah, we were only just rating our last transfer windows and now we're looking at who we might want in the next transfer window. So, Crazy. JB, um, we started last week with a really deep dive on Sam Allardyce. So... I will return the favour and allow you to basically talk me through what went wrong for Wolves last night, last night, the night before last. Um, I think, to be honest with you, Kieran, it it stemmed from as, as soon as I saw the team selection, um, it perplexed me a little bit. Originally, when I saw it, I wasn't quite sure what kind of formation he was looking at obviously looking at the squad the team he put out it was initially looking like that's a 3-5-2 Otto sorry came in well deserved after his, his good 45 minutes against Chelsea um, looked like he was going sort of 3-5-2 keep it tight in midfield against a sort of a, a pretty brutal sort of Burnley side um, and obviously with Ineta and Pedence up front so even you know obviously I looked and I was like I wasn't convinced by because obviously he's brought in eight Nuri and, and dropped Marcel um, he dropped Willie Bolly um, and brought in Max Kilman. And now, if those players were unfit, I would imagine that they wouldn't have been on the bench. So I imagine they're fit and it's a tactical um, decision. And for me, dropping Bolly against you know our tallest, biggest, best header of the ball against the team that literally are known for launching it as far as they can into the box at every opportunity against your Ashley Barnes and Chris Woods of the world. You want Willie Bolly in the squad. So that perplexed me to start with. Likewise, Marcelo had an absolute stormer against Chelsea. Bit of a nut job. Loves a tackle. Loves to put his foot in where it hurts. You need that against Burnley. And I know he, listen, he's a, he's a wing back. Great feet. Great going forward. But he's a 90-year-old kid. Come from the French League. It's a bit of a baptism of fire to chuck him in. on. on I know he's played before, but it's a bit of a... 
a bit of a sort of a, an eye opener to chuck him in on a Monday night in a pissing down rain at Turf Moor yeah. against a against against a bunch of six foot four fucking you know cloggers basically. And you wouldn't be out of place in that Burnley squad, would you, Jack? No, not at all. I'd fit it. I'd fit right <laughs> in, pal. Right in. Sit me between Chris Wood and uh, Ashley Barnes, man. I'd be loving life. <laughs> and um, so yeah, so I was wary to start with, and then all of a sudden I thought, Christ, you know, my sort of. Um, my angle when I was on the podcast, I was with you guys about bloody LA playing Burnley. We, all, they, we always seem to struggle. I was like, here we go. But then we started off first 15, 20 minutes. We were excellent. Literally, Burnley had barely stepped foot in our half. We attacked with intent. We had a couple of chances. We looked good. And then all of a sudden, and I, I'd make no apologies in using this term, it went to absolute pot. Um, and Burnley just seemed to get a foothold in the game and they just peppered us. And... We did not know what to do. Ultimately, Kieran, Nuno played Ottosori, a 19-year-old lad with 45 minutes Premier League experience as a false nine. And that, to me, is unforgivable, to be honest with you, in terms of where, what, what is the logic behind that? You've got a, you've got a, a, a lad on, on the bench... Thirty-five million pound, Fabio Silva. He's barely put a foot wrong since since he's since he's every minute he's played, and he's sitting on the bench. And you're playing a ninety-year-old kid as a false nine against Burnley. The, the logic wasn't there for me, and literally from that twenty-minute twenty-minute mark onwards, we we, ne- we never looked in the game. Um, the goal was with I mean Charlie Taylor. Yeah, fair play, mate. He's got legs on him. He's done the overlap really, really well. But where Samedo well I tell you where it's come from we've gone on a counter attack Samedo and, and Pedence Pedence has tried a stupid little back heel in their box to try and set up Samedo rather than hold it up and look at his options from that Burnley approach Samedo's then 60 yards out of position Max Kilman, who ain't the most mobile he's got caught by Charlie Taylor Charlie Taylor's literally had about a 70 yard run on, on our defence and they've still got the crossing and lo and behold um, Ashley Barnes who hasn't scored in about 48 years um, you, you know, scores against Wall. Literally, mate, about five minutes before, I don't think you were watching the game. Um, I watched bits and pieces, yeah. It uh, yeah. Uh, no, obviously. Literally, about five minutes before, Sky Sports, Sky Sports put the bloody, you know, and they put the little random facts across the screen. Literally, yeah, yeah. folks on Ashley Barnes has not scored in 17 games or whatever it is. Lo and behold, I said to George, I was watching with my brother, I said to George, I said, watch him score in the minute, bang, he scored. It was so yeah. predictable. Um and then we came out second half, no change, um, no change to our tempo. To be honest with you, we, I thought we were going to come out the blocks and literally Burnley pe- pen- penned us in. Um, it brought on Traore and Silva. Um, Traore did okay a little bit, took on the fullback, put a couple of crosses in, but there was nobody in the box to go with. thought Fabio Silva again did really well when he come on, put himself about, won the penalty, scored it. But we were just, we, we, we were Burnley, mate. And it was so frustrating because there just seemed to be nothing about us to, to, to sort of, you're going at one nil down against Burnley and you think he's going to come out, he's going to, he's going to tweak the formation a bit. He's going to make, make, maybe make a sub earlier. Nothing. Um, yeah. Nothing, mate. And it was, it was thoroughly, thoroughly underwhelming. I'm not saying overwhelming then. Underwhelming. Um, yeah. And that's me being polite, mate. Yeah. So the way I, I see it is that game had the makings of the, immovable object versus the immovable object um with sean dyche and nuno you've got two managers who do have a safety first uh, approach to football mm. uh, they get forward in very different ways and one's quite good to watch and one is like watching paint dry um 
But I, I think basically Sean Dyche just did what he does better than Nuno did what he does. And I think maybe Nuno thought he had to go a little bit more attacking with the team selection. That's why he's played eight Nuri instead of Marcel. I don't know, but I, I couldn't agree more with you. I, I'm a bit surprised that he didn't play Marcel, but with the Willy Bolly thing, Willy, that's someone who's struggled for fitness over the last yeah, yeah. couple of years at times. And you've got a couple of big games coming in the next, um, well, yes. three days with each other, don't they? And that's exactly what I said to, that, that's what I said, that's what I said to George. And if he's yeah. rested Marcel and Bolly in, 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 in the preparation for the fact we've got Man United and Spurs in less than 48 hours over boxing, over uh, boxing day to the 29th, and we get we come out of here with the result. It's a masterstroke. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, they still had seven days of recovery time between now and when we next play. You know, we're playing a Burnley side that are unbeaten in three, kept four clean sheets. You know, you've got two big lads that we always struggle against. We've always struggled against Chris Wood and, and, and um, uh, Ashley Barnes. Always, mate. Or, you know, we, we could have bleeding. Uh, Laporte and Virgil van Dijk at the back but as soon as they put that Wolves top on they struggle against Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood there's yeah. just something about them pair against Wolves um, and, and yeah and, and sorry I know I interrupted you in, in your flow there pal but it was um, yeah it was just, just mildly frustrating I can feel myself getting frustrated now talking about it which is good because that's yeah. the point of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, that's why I get up in the morning to frustrate Wolves fans it's what keeps me going in these tough times. Um, uh, no, all, all I was going to say was it's very un Nuno esque um, to change for change's sake. Um, yeah. He obviously he, he oh, part of his philosophy is built on continuity and built on um, consistency. consistency. Yeah, and and it was a little bit surprising that he didn't play Bolly and he didn't play Marcel. But I think you can bet your bottom dollar they'll both be playing in the next game, regardless of whether he was resting them or it was a tactical tweak. They will both be yep. in the next game because Kilman yep. and Aitnuri didn't cover themselves in glory, has to be said. Or did any of them, pal, to be honest with you. They were, there was very few that came. I felt, I feel, and I said, and, and there's a, there is a trend at the moment online and, and a general consensus. I feel really sorry for Neves at the moment because that lad, we fit, he's being shackled. Um, he's obviously being told to sit as deep as he can. Against Chelsea, he looked like a different player. There was a little bit of freedom to his play, and he looked like he looked back to his best. And then once again, he reverted back to obviously being told what to do. He's being shackled and almost being told to hold back and just do the bare basics to fit in with the way that Nuno at the moment wants to play. And as a Wolves fan, that is frustrating. Yeah, as a Wolves so... fan, you, 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 look, you look at the form that Traore was in last year, you look out he was electric absolutely electric. yeah and something's happening listen i get the players dipping in and out of form you know on, on on a sunday league level like myself you're dipping in and out of form on a professional level you're dipping out of form that's just standard across the board in any walk of life any profession anything but something with traori particularly isn't quite right whether it's the contract talk and he hasn't signed his contract yet and then there's a bit of needle about that not quite sure, but the boy look, looks, it doesn't even look, it looks like he couldn't even lace the player's boots on last year. Neves looks shackled. Yeah. And I just, at the moment, mate, like I said to you, and I, I know we had a little chat, and obviously it was a bit raw on, on Monday night when I was messaging, obviously, but there are some questions to be asked. Some, yeah. some questions to be asked. And, and, and that, that, that doesn't mean that 
we are jumping on the bandwagon of Nuno out and just because we've had a couple of shit results, all of a sudden we, we think the grass is greener. It's not about that. We are allowed as a team, in our third year in the Premier League, the last two seasons we finished seventh and we've, we've got into Europe. We have, yes, we keep we talk about this transition. I oh, don't buy this transition, sir, by the way. Don't buy it. Don't buy it whatsoever. Um, in terms of almost excuses to the way that we're playing. Uh, oh, well, it's transition. It's transition, you know. We, we Jota and, and Doherty's gone. Yeah, okay, but then you spent 35 million on a, on a, on a, on a striker and you spent 37 million on a, on a, on a wing back from, from Barcelona. So it's not like, you know, you've sold two of your best players and you've, you've approached 223 to the squad. You know, you know, money has been spent and, and, and majority of the team is still there. And I just think there's questions to be asked about what was going through Nuno's mind with the selection. The big, the big one for me was, we could talk about Ait Nuri and Bolly, but the big thing is playing Ottersari as a false nine. That's what it, it was in essence. Otto so was playing a false nine role. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's someone... just basically he obviously without Jimenez. Jimenez is, is a striker who could cope with the with the physical defence of Burnley. He's looked at what he's got and he's gone. Do I go with a physical false nine or do I go with little old Fabio Silva and watch him get bullied for ninety minutes? Well, Fabio just... Silva has he hasn't been bullied once this season. Yeah, he's done, no, no, and he, no. he, he, he come, No, I'm not. I'm, sorry, I'm not saying that against you. I, I get that's probably what Nuno was thinking. And fair play, Fabio Silva, come on. And he literally put himself about for 25 yeah, exactly, minutes. exactly, yeah. Won the penalty, relished it. And you know what? I, I, that was almost like a fuck you. I, I felt like that was almost like a fuck you. He looked so happy that he scored, bless him. But I'd have been like that. I'd have been, yeah, fuck you. You know, I haven't put a foot wrong since, since I've, I've stepped foot in this club every minute that I've played. And you, you've dropped me for a 19-year-old kid who's played 45 minutes. 90, I know it's a year older than, than, than <laughs> Fabio Silva. But, you know, you get the point that I'm making. He's, he's been brought in as, as a striker to all, almost say, if Jimenez gets injured, you're the man. You know, it's just been it was just frustrating, mate. Really frustrating. And I think, I mean, I made a joke, actually. I was at my mum and dad's before the game because I was, I was getting George. George is my brother, by the way, for anybody who who is listening doesn't know who George is. And I made a joke to George and Dad, and I kind of said it as a joke, but I kind of meant it. And I'm not saying it's going to happen. I said, I said, you know, I said, I know. I said, we'll lose tonight. I said, we'll lose tonight. I said, we'll go and beat Spurs and United. So that's what'll happen. Um, and then we was all laughing, going, yeah, that'd be such a typical Wolves things to do. Um, so one out of three have come true so far, but um, yeah, it was just a difficult night all around, mate. It was frustrating to watch. The aftermath, you know, going online, reading some of the things, people are obviously very raw with emotion. But the one thing I can say is that apart from, you know, the kind of the journalists like your Tim Spears, who were kind of a sort of paid to be sort of rational and as impartial, you know, he's put a couple of things out about, well, basically, long story short, we're in exactly the same position as what we were last year. It was the same amount of points, same amount of games, nothing's changed sort of thing. And he goes, bear in mind, this is a transition. That's not too bad, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the general consensus amongst a lot of the Wolves fans that I interact with and deal with and support that is there has to be some questions asked. You know, Nuno is indispensable to this club. He has been amazing. What he's done for us is unbelievable. And I still think long-term he's the man. But, the, but there is questions to be asked. Ultimately, he lost his job at Porto because of these very reasons. He lost his job at Valencia for these very reasons. And just because he's done so much for us doesn't mean that we can almost excuse every single mistake that he makes. Because that tends to be a thing across the Wolves fan base that, oh, but it's new now, we forgive him, look at where we were, 
with the Bean League One, did you get to Chorley in 1984 and all this sort of malarkey? And it's almost like we excuse everything because of how far we've come. Yeah, we've come a long way. It's fantastic and it's brilliant. Um, but does that mean that Nuno is... Um, Oh, what's the word I'm after? Is it unanswerable? Is that, is that the right word, Kieran? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, is he unanswerable to every sort of... Can, can he get away with, with, with poor team selections, poor performances, poor tactics, poor substitutions? Because that has been happening more often than not recently. Is he excusable from that because it's new? No. My answer is no. He has to be accountable at some point. If questions have to be asked, fair enough. Is that me saying I want him out? No. Am I saying if he carries on for the next month or so, do bigger questions have to be asked? Probably. You know, the, the, the question that I imagine if I carry on saying this, that you will ask me eventually will be, well, who would you go to? That would be a question for another pod, I guess. But I'm not at that point yet. I'm just saying that I believe that we are within our right to ask these questions of Nuno. We are within our right as fans to go, hang on a second. Anyone who's watching can see that that was a mistake. Um, and just almost get rid of that mentality of, because I think it's frustrating that the mentality of, well, you know what, look how far we've come. It doesn't matter. You know, four years ago, we were in, you know, under Kenny Jacket and da 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 And 10 years ago, we had Mick McCarthy and Terry Connor. And do you know what I mean? There is almost like that. And I think it's a weak mentality, to be honest. It's a mentality of, look how far we've come. So let's excuse everything. And actually, no, this, this club has been taken over by, a, a, again, Kieran, you know, the word, a conglomerate or whatever it's the, Close enough. Are, close enough, you know, <laughs> who are a multi, multi, multi billion pound investment firm who want greater success. We are advised and on our board is Jorge Mendes, the most powerful agent in the world. We have pretty much unlimited funds in terms of if we need them. And this and and and, and we want to go into bigger and better things. So my so the mentality of oh it doesn't matter four years ago we were under Kenny Jackett and Walter Zenger and it doesn't matter so we play shit it doesn't matter because Nuno's done great for us no actually he's accountable and actually when we come up with shite like that on Monday I think questions need asking um, and yeah. I think I'm gonna cook I could go on all afternoon man so <laughs> I apologise but yeah no, I think no. that wraps it up for me as we stand well it might wrap it up for you but there was a lot. <laughs> A lot of meat on those bones there. Um, and I do yeah. want to just prod you on a couple of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, the one thing I will start with, um, and I think uh, it might be a little bit of a reality check, is um, I don't know if it gets any better than this for a side, for a club of wolf size. And secondly, as an Albion... You, would, would you have said that about Leicester three, four years ago? Five years ago? What? Yeah, you would when, have. You would have well, said the same. Would when, you, does when it get, does about... it get any... Does it, does it get any better for? Would it have got any better for Leicester in 2015, 2016? When they won the league. Well, pre pre that pre pre that. Oh sorry. yeah, but it was a fluke that pre they won that. the league. They they recruited two of the best players ever from from in Kante and Mara's yeah, yeah, two yeah, of the yeah, most yeah, amazing yeah. signings, and they yeah. were there was essentially it was great recruitment with a little bit but of a clueless now, manager because Ranieri but was. Leicester now, but, but Leicester now are challenging bigger and a big. Leicester now are breaking to that top four. Yeah, Leicester um, are now. Leicester are now different to where we we are in terms of. In terms of no, no, not now. Wrong. Not now. Not now. But what I'm trying to say is the vision to be a Leicester isn't a million miles away. Yeah, no, all. I agree with that. I agree with that. the vision to be a Leicester isn't a million miles away. But when teams like Leicester and teams like Everton, who are getting better, do break yeah. into that top six, it makes it more and more of an exclusive club and it makes it even more difficult yeah. to break in. But the yeah. thing with Leicester is they won the league as a fluke. Um, that will not happen to Wolves. It won't happen to anyone. 
ever again. That was that it was that much of a fluke. Um, and basically off the back of that brand and that success, they've been able to recruit better. They sold Kante, they sold Mares, and they've built and they said, right, we're never going to win the league again. But let's move on and let's take our Champions League status and let's get back into the Europa League. Let's go go forward as a club a little bit. And I don't think Wolves, um, that's re- unrealistic for Wolves. And I think Wolves are pretty much there already. And my point is, does it get any better than what if Wolves it, if, have already if, got? If, if, if it wants to be. This is what I'm trying to say. Like, like I understand what he's saying. I'm not saying that Wolves are ever going to be the size of Man United or anything like that. I'm not implying. What I'm trying to say is, is that is if Wolves, if, if 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 the owners of Wolves have got visions for Wolves to be a top four club, if that is their vision, if it is. that is their vision, which it is, all I'm trying to say is, is Nuno the man to take us to the top four? I don't know. But what I'm trying to say is that like, the attitude of a lot of war fans is, oh, well, you know, Nuno can do nothing wrong because everything's done for us. Yeah. That's a weak mentality. What I'm trying to say is if Nuno did go, I'm not, by the way, I'm going to say, if Nuno did go and then we, I'm not saying this would ever happen in a million years and we got Pochettino in, I'm not saying it would ever happen. And then we, people would even be talking about Nuno. Likewise, when Newcastle got Benitez, nobody ever thought Rafael Benitez would go to Newcastle. You know, Teams make teams take gambles to try and go to that next level. At the moment, we are very solid, very consistent, very wolves esque. You always talk about us being a, a consistent club in the way that we play, in the way we recruit, in the way that we do things, and that is kind of spearheaded by the Nuno evolution as such. But ultimately, at the moment, that's great. But at the moment, there are some cracks appearing sometimes in the way that we play, the, the decisions that are being made. And actually, can he improve on those and make those better? Absolutely, I, I hope he can. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. So one thing I would say is, um, I I never once said that we can't question Nuno because as as an outsider looking in, it is. What about the Wolves fan base? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody else. Um, uh, as an outsider looking in, I think you can question him. I think at times, and you could see this um, all through last season, all through the season before, um, some pretty mediocre team performances were. Um, basically allowed to go under the radar because Raul Jimenez yeah. bailed them out. It, it, it is essentially, I'm not saying Nuno isn't, isn't, isn't perfect fit for Wolves and he's not done amazingly because he has, but uh, there were times and probably maybe a quarter of the games, I'd probably say Raul Jimenez or Traore have bailed Wolves out at times. Um, when on, they the fl- have- on the flip side, yeah, on the flip side, there'd, there'd be lots of games where we had been on the end of some very contentious and poor BIR decision, which had costed us points and things like that. So that has happened as well. But I agree, there'd be many games last year. And I used to point this out on Twitter a lot. I, I still remember the game against Burnley at home last year when Jimenez scored a last minute penalty. Burnley battered us, absolutely mudded us at home. Like, you know, how we got a point out of the game, I'll never know. I can still remember watching that game. And I, and I remember going, that's one of the best points I've ever seen because we were awful and Burnley mudded yeah. us. And that happens a lot. Yeah, and my point is just that now that Jimenez is out, these yeah. sort of papered over cracks are appearing a little bit more prominently. And that, that isn't to say that Nuno won't work it out because I think he will. Um, and one last yeah. word on it, as an Albion fan, I would love nothing more than for you to sack Nuno. I would love yeah, well, you to sack Nuno. I don't want to sack Nuno. Listen, 
a ketchup to my chips, as we said a few podcasts ago. <laughs> this guy has done stuff for this club that I never thought was possible within my lifetime after some of the dross that I've seen since 1992. You know, the, the, this guy is amazing and, and I love him to pieces. And I really, really hope that, because like I said, I've always said it, every time we seem to have a bad spell of form, something happens and we seem to pull it out of the bag. Yeah. But all I'm saying is, is that he is accountable Questions can be asked if, if, if these issues and performances and team selections and things like that carry on. And I'm just saying that I just, I just hope that as a club, we're able to move past a mentality of, oh, well, it doesn't matter because look how far we've come. Because for me, there's nothing more frustrating than that. It's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree that he should be accountable. It's actually, we only had Bilic for 18 months, but because he overachieved massively, massively overachieved, we had a, we had a, average championship squad we'd gotten rid of all our premier league talent and he gets promoted in year one there was this feeling in the opening 12 games at 13 games of this season that he managed it was a bit like well should he be bulletproof and Mm. when you take sort of an objective view and we went over this last week yeah you you can see why billich was sacked and and wolves aren't at that point wolves are not at at this no looking down into a a precipice. Wolves are at a bit of a crossroads for the season, not yeah, yeah. the project. I think. I think the project, the three-year, uh, the five-year plan, or whatever it was, is pretty much fine. Regardless, you, you've got an injury; it's going to set you back a little while. You're recruiting the transfer window, but this season, in terms of, are you going to be looking to challenge for Europe, or are you just going to be having a season where it's like, right, Jimenez missed a third of the season, let's crack on and finish ninth. You, yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, Phil yeah. Walter a bit of a crossroads, and I don't think there's Definitely. any there's any problem with questioning Nuno, but it at the, this moment in time for me there's no rationale to say oh Nuno out or anything like that, and I'm not no, saying not you are, but p- people no. are people are there are people out there who are Mate, who are fed up of it. I've got good mates, I've got good mates, and I can show you the tweets when NXT. If I'll, you know, <laughs> they were like, they were like, the, the, to be fair, and I've got to say though, some of them are. Ma- They've been saying this for a good year or so. You know, that yeah. a lot of the, a lot a lot of them blame a lot of them, a lot of people have hung on to the Noonan and the tactics that sometimes he employs from the Watford semi-final. And, and a lot of teams, a lot of people believe that Nuno cost us that 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 final place. Yeah. Um, which which I consider logic for. But um but no, like I said, I was going somewhere with, with a thought process then and it's gone now. But and, um, You got cup final brain. Oh, mate, I know that took me a while to get over. But <laughs> yeah, I, 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 all I'm trying to say is like, I just think that particularly when we use the excuse, when we talk about a transition thing, yes, I understand there's a bit of transition because obviously, you know, they've obviously been working on the fort the back. They're trying to come away from the can stacking thing. Blah, 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 blah. We didn't have a pre-season because we got so far into Europe. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, I buy all that and I'm not dismissing it. But ultimately, it's not like we've sold Doc and Jota and not recruited as well. You know, we've brought in Barcelona's, at the time, first choice right wing back. We've brought in Fabio Silva. We've brought in Hoover from um, Liverpool. We've brought in Aitnori. We've brought in Marcel. We've brought in players. And yes, they need time to bed and working. But I don't think we can use the excuse of, oh, we've played crap. But don't worry because it's a transition. I agree don't with that. Me, I agree with that, that totally. Do you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> don't give me that. Um, yeah, and I feel I, this like was not around a little bit. Yeah, this was not supposed to be a transitional period. This was this no. was out out of the question. Were Wolves taking a back seat for a season? 
it, well, it's recruitment that hasn't worked in the short term and it might work in the long term, but it was never earmarked as a transitional season at the start of the season. It wasn't like the border sat there with Nuno going, now listen, you know, we, we've had to miss two weeks of our preseason and, uh, because we, we were playing in Europe and uh, we've had to sell Doc and we've had to sell Jota. So regardless of who we recruit, don't worry about this season, Nuno. That is not the way it works. It, Kieran. It's just so far up, away from absolutely. what is actually happening. It, you can hide behind the fact it's a transitional season, but you can't afford a transitional season when Everton and Leicester are getting so much better. Wolves are regressing. And, and, Abs- absolutely. You watch us on the pitch now and it's a regression. Listen, if Nuno works some magic over the next seven days on the training pitch and we go, we go and beat Spurs and Man United, Christ, I'll have a glass of bubbly on the podcast, whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and the thing but, to, to note is that wouldn't surprise anybody. Absolute, That's how good absolute, Nuno is for Wolves. Abs- absolutely. But what I'm trying to say is, is that all throughout last season in that very tiny pre-season gap that we had, all the talk was about was, can Wolves hold on to Jimenez? Can Wolves hold on to Traore? Can Wolves hold on to Neves? By God, yes, we have around all three of them. Granted, Jimenez has got injured. And another thing, just quickly, we do miss Johnny Otto left back. He is by far yeah. an unbelievable player. We're missing a car away from his back. Miss, but, yeah. but, but we've held on to our three key players. We've held on to our three key players. We added to the squad, you know, Dr. Samedo, we've, in my still opinion, we've upgraded. He might not show straight away, but we have. Um, Fabio Silva there hasn't really been a like for like for Jota um, as such but, the, but the, you recruited the, the, Pedence but, before you sold him yeah exactly exactly and, 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 and the form of Pedence and Neto far outweighs that so that's part my only concern is we are pretty much still playing the same back three well they're not pretty much we've got the same back three as what we have in the championship we haven't progressed our back three at all from the championship I think, I think you need yeah. that third player who's sometimes Saiz, it's been Dendonka in the past, sometimes it's Marcel. That, Champ- that's the only weak link in yeah. that back three. Massively. Yeah. We, we need to go out and buy like that Ruben um, when, when we were linked with Diaz, Diaz indoors yeah. Yeah, a couple, yeah. about a season and a half ago. We needed a top quality centre half. My concern is, 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 you know, we are still playing Saiz, Cody, Bolly, um, and Kilman, who we were playing in the Championship. Uh, and we haven't seen he hasn't we haven't seemed to progress that back line, um, which 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 has concerned me, and that has shown a little bit because prior to this season we've never took a tanking, we've never took a tanking. I think I've only tanking that I can remember um, off the top of my head. If someone might throw at me, was in Villa tanking in the Championship four one that once, um, but we've had a couple of tankings this year, um, and that concerns me. But yeah, yeah. Hey, I mean, we have we have certainly repaid the deep dive on Allardyce with a deep dive. We have. I need to get off this week. chest, mate. I've been waiting yeah, for this. I've been waiting I've, for this. I've, I've, I've <laughs> got to go, mate. It's Christmas Day now. <laughs> Went on forever. Um, no, but I I agree with a lot of that. He's not he's not bulletproof. He is well. Is he bulletproof? He's not criticism proof. Yes. At this point he's accountable. in time. He, yeah, exactly. He has to be held accountable for what he's doing. I think if Nuno leaves Wolves, it will be at the end of a season and it'll be mutual. They will not sack Nuno because yeah. of how much he's achieved. And that, that's the yeah. final word. I'll and that's not even in, yeah, and that's not even the question in my mind. Either. Yeah, no, no way, absolutely. Yeah. Anything no else way, you want to add before we move on to Albion? <laughs> Let's go. Right, Let's right. Go. So we've gone big on uh, Wolves and their manager. I'm actually looking for an Albion manager at the moment because uh, it appeared we were managerless on on Sunday evening. 
that was like you'd got 11 blokes together who've never played before and they haven't got a manager or it's school football and he just says oh um yeah you play here you play here you play here so you get on like it was appalling laughably bad and i know sam allardyce hasn't had time to implement what he wants to do but there were good points which um which had been showing in the end of the billet train and it's like he came in tore up the tactics sheet and said right lads um We'll go four five one, and we'll be hard to beat. Full stop. And he gave them no more advice than that. The midfield battle was was laughable. It was like a heavyweight against a flyweight. Um, the the front line of Villa, which is not a good front line, but they look great every time they play us. Whoever's in there, but El Ghazi turns into Cristiano Ronaldo every time he plays the Albion. Bizarrely. Um, Bertrand Traore all of a sudden like where's that goal come from what a finish um but I've seen nothing from Bertrand Traore to suggest that he was that good but anyway Villa absolutely outplayed us we should have been down to 10 men we rightly we rightfully were down to 10 men Villa should also have been down to 10 men for me um but there's no point, and I'm totally over the the um, VAR decisions and whatever. There's no point sitting here and, and pointing to that because we'd have lost 11 versus 11. We'd have lost 11 versus 10. We'd have lost 10 versus I think, you, I, think you, I think you'd have lost one. 15 v 11, mate, to be honest. Yeah, we'd have lost Yeah, we'd have lost 10 versus 1 if that 1 was Bertrand Traore, the mood he was in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just one of those days where you can either get a new manager bounce when someone comes in, or you can get like this hard reset um, where it kind of looks like you have no manager for a little while. And we definitely got the latter. We got that big Mm -hmm. time. It was like 11 clueless blokes on a pitch, then 10 clueless blokes on a pitch, just sort of thinking, can we get through this? And they were let down by Livermore. And I want to touch on that because I don't know if you, you've seen this. Um, Allardyce has come out and said, that's not what you expect from your captain. Um, I'm going to look at candidates. And if anyone yeah, does I, well, they can have it for the captain. I saw the, I saw the, I saw the headline. I didn't, I didn't read yeah. the article. I've seen, I seen they said Allardyce considering the uh, captain to change. Yeah, I think um, our captain um, is... It, it, we don't really have a strong captain um, within the squad. I would give it to Remain Sawyers on the fact that he is an Albion fan, but that's a very sentimental appointment. Um, then you've maybe got someone like, I don't know, Kieran Gibbs, I'm thinking who's senior in the squad, but I wouldn't want Kieran Gibbs. Um, maybe Shemi Ajayi, or it would probably be Kyle Bartley, but I would go Shemi Ajayi because he's the one player, or maybe Dara O'Shea, because those two... Look, I think you've like literally named matters. the old team, haven't you, mate? Yeah, oh, no, just I, got to the old team. I counted some of them out. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go with any of the first few names <laughs> I mentioned. But uh, the, what, what about the keeper? Really consider. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe he's a bit. He's not a, vocal. A, yeah, he's not that vocal. He's uh, well. Uh, maybe he is, and we you, we just don't see it as much. Um, but I would maybe go for Dara O'Shea or. Um, or Shemi Ajayi. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to Ivanovic or Kyle Bartley, though, which yeah. it doesn't fill me with um, with excitement. But anyway, we're, no. we're, we're at a, if Wolves are at a crossroads, we're at like... Yeah, it oh was... God, um, I mean, I mean, I mean I, again, I feel like I've completely gone off the boil with my sort of predictions and reading of, of future games the last couple of podcasts. But uh, yeah. I, genu- I genuinely thought, as I said, 
on paper, um, in current form, Villa should and, and in the end did have far, far too much for you. But I just thought Big Sam coming in, you know what he's about. He's going to come in. You're going to have that sort of new manager sort of bounce. You're going to have that sort of that little sort of bit of bit of, but not fear factors. So, you know, you always want to make any pressure for the new manager. It's a local derby. You're desperate for the points. I genuinely thought Albion gets in and out of it. I mean, I'll be honest with you. When I saw the lineup, I did look and I think I put a, a cheeky tweet out and said, "Christ, you know that isn't a port. That is a honking lineup." I think I said, and it proved to be. Um, and it was just, it, yeah. to be honest with you, mate. I, I'm saying this. Listen. Between the Wolves and the Albion, those 280 minutes that I made myself watch <laughs> both, what a waste of time. And, and, yeah. and, and, and I said, it was, it was appalling. Both both games were appalling. Yeah, um, so the, and the thing was, really is with, though, with, with the Albion performance, for me, it just looked like a team who haven't yet been won over by the manager, um, weren't playing to impress the new manager, and and this is the kind of thing everybody's dar says. Um, everybody's dad sits there and they're like, "Oh, that this is this is deliberate. They're not they're not playing for Allardyce because they they're so upset about Billich." And my dad did yeah. say that, and he'll be listening to this. Um, and I, not to say there is something in that, but how can you get yourself up mentally for this for the next game when you've gone to the Etihad and got a point? you would run through a brick wall for Slavin Bilic because they all would. That just appeared to be the mentality at Albion. Then you've got this new manager coming in and clearly not tried to implement any kind of tactics. He's literally yeah. just put the same 11 out and gone, go on, lads, have a go. How could you possibly be up for that? How could you possibly want to play for him yet? And I don't think it's a conscious thing, um, like maybe my dad was saying when we were watching it, but there, I feel there was this little sort of unconscious walking towards disaster um because how can you lift yourself how can you how can you really really feel like you want to play for the new manager if you're so dejected about having lost a a mentor for some of the lads a a brilliant coach probably the most personable coach any of them will play under lads like Shemi Ajay and Dara Roche Mateus Pereira Grady Diangana they all owe their remain soils they all owe their Premier League status to Slaven Bilic and they've lost him and it, it, I can understand how underwhelming the performance was from the players, but it doesn't excuse it. It was appalling. It was really, really poor. And there's, yeah. I mean, it, that was rock bottom. We can't get any worse than that. Yeah, well, you, you wouldn't think so. If you do, um, if you do, then Christ, 2020 has just sort of gone to the next level, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you know. It, like I said, I watched it Sunday night, um, and it was it was poor. Albion just looked disjointed. They looked disinterested. As you say, there seemed to be no fluidity, no um, no structure to the play, no yep, structure to the, the way they were on, on on the field. It just looked, as you say, you know. And, it, and again, it gets bandied around a lot. A lot of these sort of phrase you know it looked like 11 men banded together that's how it looked and all did, Villa had to did. all Villa had to do was turn up and literally just play their basic basic game and listen I'm going to give Villa, Villa a little bit of credit because you know and 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 and, and that hurts me but um <laughs> you know I've got to give them credit because they have progressed this year and they like I said, when I look at what, 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 how Wolves played against Burnley, 
having a look at what Villa did to Burnley last week, even though Villa only got a point out of it, you know, something like 70-odd percent possession, 30-odd shots, literally mullered them to the point of oblivion. And we, we couldn't even get in their half for most of the game. Yeah. You know, I look, I look at the way that Villa played against you. Dean Smith has got them playing a really, really good way. He's got them playing really, really well. So it was never going to be an easy task anyway, because Villa are a different proposition to what they were last year. But either way, there was just nothing there from the Albion that said, you know what, let's give this a good go here. Yeah, no even, questions it, asked at Do you know what? It, it, even, if, even if it was a shitty, horrible 4 5 1 formation, just go out and do your job and at least make it hard work, at least make it horrible, at least make it difficult. But there was just nothing there, Matt. And all Bill yeah. had to do was keep their composure, keep moving the ball about. And, and, and like I said, it was men against boys. Um, and and that yeah. was worrying for me because... Yeah. And I mean, I did say to... Let me, let me, just, let me just knock on my WhatsApp because I was, I was, I was messaging Kirko about it. And I did say, duh, 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 what did I say about him? I put, yeah, it's ridiculously one-sided. I put a combination of you being very good at the mountain, then being atrocious. Um, and then I, then I did put, I do think that they, as in you, will get better. And I did use inverted commas for that. Slash more organised with time under Allardyce. But boy, yeah. they ain't half got a poor squad. Yeah. So that was my sort of summary was I do think, I don't think that is a sign of what's to come. I do I think not. you will be. I do think you will get more organised and and more structured under him because he's proven to do that. But I just don't see a way out of, particularly when you play any team with slightly better te- technicality or te- slightly technical better players than you. I don't see how you have got the ability to to to, to raise it unless you go full on Allardyce. <coughs> Excuse me, and that's not going to be good enough, mate. Um. Yeah, yeah. Worrying, worrying times, mate. Agreed, times. agreed. Um, but like you say, hopefully we'll get more organised and Sam Allardyce will actually have a chance to implement a yeah. little bit of what he's about on the squad Yeah, in, in time. Okay, so um, we spent a long time uh, yeah, talking about some miserable things there. Um, yeah. We will now move on to our 21st century Black Country 11. Now, as it stands, we have a goalkeeper and four defenders. Um, For anyone who is unfamiliar with the format, I'll just quickly run through it. We are building a picture of black country football in the 21st century through a starting 11, essentially, from who's given the most to black country football over the last 20 years. It will be 2021 when we finish the team, but you you get the picture. Um, The one rule is you can't have more than three outfield players from the same um, team. Um, and basically all that is there for is to stop JB picking the current 11 Wolves players. Um, so when we are putting players forward, it's about what they've given to the black country. It's about how good they were. It's about the impression they left on the area, maybe how they performed in Derby days or loads of things that go into it. Um, but at the moment, we've got a goalkeeper, which is Rue Patricio. He just beat Ben Foster. And then our left back is Chris Brunt, who is, wasn't always a left back, obviously, but he beat Lean Alia for that. And then centre-backs, Kirko chose um, Willie Bolly, was it, JB? Yeah, yeah, yeah he chose yeah, Willie Bolly. And then Gareth McCauley joined Willie Bolly and in a in a formidable centre-back pairing. Uh, and then in at right-back, we've got Mad Doherty. 
So we've got yep. three Wolves, two Albions so far, and I be- believe that's a pretty solid base to build on. Today, we'll move forward into midfield and we'll go for central midfielders. Now, the Black Country derby is rapidly approaching, and that is when we want to have this team finished by. So this week, we are going to do not one, but two central midfielders. We are going to both propose a central midfielder um, to face off firstly, and then we'll propose another central midfield battle. Um, and both of those polls will be on Twitter. You can find us at BCR Pod on Twitter, uh, or if you search the Black Country Ramble, you will find us. Um, and that's where you can cast your vote, as people have done a lot during this feature over the last few weeks. Okay, so first we'll go to you, JB. Can I have your first name for a central midfielder? That you're gonna you can, mate. Um, I'm going to save the, 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 the best to last. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to start off with... It was a difficult one, actually. Me and Kieran had, had, had a brief chat before the pod started, and I said, you know, in an ideal world, I would have loved to have put Ruben Neves forward as, as one of my two. Um, and thinking back, there has been some good midfielders, you know, you know, special mentions to Carl Henry, you know, who kind of, you know came to us in a really difficult time. Great captain led to promotion. Um, very underrated, I think, Colin, actually. Um, and then, we you know, we had players, you know, not particularly the greatest, but, you know, you should be Dave Edwards, who came in, scored goals, did a job for us, scored in the Prem, stuck with us all the way down to League One. Um, but I'm going to cast my mind back to the very early sort of 2000s when... Um, one of my favourite eras of following Wolves that was under Dave Jones when we got our first promotion to the Premier League. Um, and we had a great midfield trio at that point um, who were by far and away the, the best midfielders in that league at the, at the time. Um, and they were Paul Ince, who was, again, captain outstanding for us, came and did a fantastic job for us. Big shout out to Paul Ince. Colin Cameron, who did a great job for us as well. Really like Colin Cameron. But I'm going to put forward Alex Ray as my first nomination. Um, Alex Ray came to us from Sunderland. I think at the time it cost us a million pound, I think it was. Um, and he was just brilliant. Box-to-box midfielder, defensive midfielder. He loved the tackle, hard as nails. You'd find him one minute on the, end, on the edge of your box, blocking a shot from them. Next minute, he's absolutely pummeling it into their box to, 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 to nod in a, a goal. He scored some vital goals for us. He scored the winning goal against Reading in the playoff um, semi-final uh, second leg, which any Wolves fan that was there or watching will tell you they'll never forget and that famous celebration where he jumped up and his sort of knees touched his hips. And it was really funny because he didn't really know how to celebrate. But it was just really, really an iconic sort of Wolves moment. Um he scored that absolute thunderbolt in the Prem against Bolton, which doesn't really get spoke about often enough, to be honest with you, in, in one of the rare highlights of that really sort of poor one season only in the Prem. Yeah. Um, and he was just, he's just actually, even though he's with us in four seasons, I think he made just over 100 appearances, 15 goals. But he would ju- he'll just go down in Molyneux sort of folklore. He's one of them players that, that came to the club and everyone loved. He had his own... Silly chant, Alex, Alex Ray, he's got no hair, but we don't care. Alex, Alex Ray, that rang from the terraces every week. A stupid chant, but he loved it. It was just brilliant. And he, he was one of them players that gave his heart and soul. You could see he was quality. You could see playing in the Prem for a long time before coming to us, much like Paul Ince when he came to us and Dennis Irwin, etc. Um, He was just great. And he still often, I follow him on Twitter, and he still often talks about his time at Wolves. He's, you know, he seems a very sort of affable man. Um, 
yeah, and, and just a really, really good, good player who wouldn't be out of place in in in, in the Wolves side now. To be honest with you, to be fair, I'd, I'd stick him in. To be honest with you, sometimes at the moment, um, but yeah, just a good player, scored some good goals, really intelligent player, box to box, great engine, um, and left a really sort of good positive footprint on, on the on the Black Country when he played for. So yeah, um, I'm going Alex Ray for my first nomination. Brilliant, um, for. And that'll be a name here. Yeah, it, it's quite interesting because we have had some technically gifted players. Yes, um, you have. We've, as, had, we've uh, had some yeah. good midfielders. We've good had some midfielders. very good midfielders. It's kind of the one part of our squad over the last 20 years which has always had a bit of a bit of class about it. Um, and a lot of the players who I would consider can play anywhere across the midfield. I'm just going to throw a few names. Um, and if you just say the names, you might not even... Albion fans might not be able to agree on their best position. So if I say Jason Kumas or Zoltan Gira or even Mateus Pereira or James Morrison or Chris Brunt, these are all guys who've played everywhere across the midfield. Um, And we have had some really, really technical gifted midfielders. Now, I did consider Mateus Pereira. I really did consider Mateus Pereira. But I think just on the fact that he... He's only been there a season and a little bit. He's not contributed maybe as much as some other people who've been involved in multiple multiple promotions and some of the really good Premier League years. So honourable mention for Mateus Pereira, but I'm going to leave him out on this occasion. Um, keeping with the theme of silly chants um, and fan favourites, my selection is actually Yusuf Malumbu um, to go in here. He was... Not one of the technically gifted midfielders um, necessarily, but he was everything you want in a defensive midfielder. He ran and ran and ran. He, he, was, he did his job very well with the ball. Um, he would just get it and give it. He, he carried the ball quite well at times and he scored great goals. Um, Yusuf Malumbu just did everything that he was supposed to do in that role. And he was there and he was an integral part of are really successful years in the Premier League under Steve Clark, under Roy Hodgson. Um, and it was a real shame to see him move on when he did. But um, his silly chant, by the way, is um, he comes from Africa. He's better than Kaka. Malumbu, whoa, Malumbu, whoa. Um, which is very, very funny when it's sang from terraces. Not as funny when it's said on a podcast. Um, but Malumbu was a real fan favourite. and he is a <laughs> Very underwhelming. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he is a personal favourite of mine. Oh, yeah, because the Alex Ray one was great, mate. He's got no hair. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, tell it. Tell you Brilliant, what, yeah. that was an easier bite than I thought that was. Quite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'll just cut that from the podcast and then no one will ever know. Um, <laughs> Yusuf Malumbu, no, he, he was absolutely brilliant. He, he was a real fan favourite. And I am going to put him in for A, getting us promoted one year or being involved in the side that got us promoted. Um, and B, being there and an integral part of the most successful years we had in the Premier League. So... Poll one is going to be uh, Yusuf Malumbu against um, Ray. And we will put that out today um, for anybody who's listening. This is Christmas Eve Eve. Okay, so that will be decided tomorrow. And then poll number two will be two more midfielders. And now I've got a decision to make. Where am I going to play certain players to try and get the most Albion players in, essentially? Will I play so-and-so at left midfield or as a number 10 or in central midfield. And the person I'm going to go for um, is 
Jason Kumas. I knew as, you were going to go for him. Yeah, as a midfielder. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go for him as a, a number 10, essentially, but he can go in central midfield. He is probably the reason I fell in love with football. Um, I was the perfect age to be spellbound by Jason Kumas. The way he played football is everything that football is about for me. Um, he carried the ball phenomenally. His set pieces were brilliant. He, the only big, big, big problem, big question mark around him was his attitude at times. Um, but when you're a kid, you don't really see that as a problem. And I, I think a lot of Albion fans kind of excused him his attitude at times because of how good he was. He's a little bit like Jack Grealish is for Villa now. This enigmatic um, character who always wants to be on the ball and has that moment of magic. So yeah, he, yes, he could play on the left midfield, but my greatest memories of Kumas are running with the ball from midfield. Um, and he always had that bit of magic. So I'm going to go Jason Kumas as my second nomination. JB, now you have to go here for one of the two Portuguese dynamos in your current midfield, surely. Yeah, mate. Um, it was it was as soon as we came up with the idea of, of this um, feature, it was the first name on, on, on the on the team sheet in my eyes. Um, and, and anybody who's listening to me will know exactly where I'm going with this, but it, it's Jean Moutinho. Um, by far the best player I've ever had the pleasure of witnessing play for my beloved football club. Um, this guy came to us uh, two years, well, it's got to be three years ago at the end of this season um, from Monaco uh, for the paltry sum of €5 million. Euros. Um and this guy is absolute creme de la creme. Um, he's won every honour going, um, apart from obviously a, a World Cup. Uh, but he's, he's he's won the European Championships with um, with Portugal. He's literally worked his way through the whole um, the whole ranks of, of Portugal from under twelve and all the way to to, to the full side. Uh, he's captain them. He won the European Championships two thousand sixteen. Uh, he won the UEFA Nations League twenty nineteen. He has won the uh, Europa League on a personal level. Um, he has won many sort of like championships at, at Portugal. He won League One while with Monaco. Um, he's won the Super Cup. He's won everything going. And but this guy is just mustard. I think people when, when we saw him, people thought, "Oh, you know, he's coming for the last pay packet. He's only five foot something. Is he going to cope in the Premier League? Has he got the legs?" This guy just runs and runs and runs. He tackles, he wins headers, he's tenacious, he's like a terrier. He oozes class on the ball. You can be in a panic situation with a melee with five or six players going into it, fighting for the ball. He'll just bring it out and he'll lay it off and everything will start again. He'll pick up the ball on the edge of the box and ping it and spray the ball. Likewise, he'll bring it close, then, then knock it five yards and build the momentum to go forward. One minute you'll find him chasing that the one minute you'll find you'll find him chasing the opposition's um uh, number ten as he's airing through midfield, taking that pass. The next, find, next thing you'll find him on the edge of our box, lining up a shot. He's just absolute quality. No superlatives or words can, can do him justice in my eyes. That's how good he is. Um, to have had him at, at, at Wolves, I feel blessed. He, he's that that good. Um, at times, there's been games where we've been under the cosh, we've been struggling, and you just know that if you get Zhao on the ball, he's going to just turn it over keep turning it over and allow us to get out of trouble. Um, his, his game management, his knowledge, his tactical awareness, it, it's just unbelievable. Um, 
and that experience that he's gained through playing for Portugal, for Monaco, um, uh, for Sporting Lisbon prior to that. You know, you, you, you just you can just see in the way that he plays. He plays with a smile on his face. The big thing that shocked me was how good a tackler he is, how strong he is, how he loves to get his put his foot in. He loves it. I mean, he should have got. Well, this is this isn't a good thing, by the way. He should have got sent off on on Monday. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah. One of the one of the Burnley lads went down and he yeah. had the ball. And he, it looked like he stamped on him. I, I yeah, thought he was going to get away. That's so yeah. But he's got that in him, and I like that. I like the fact that he's got a little bit of tenaciousness in him because I think when when he first came off, oh, bloody hell, yeah. you, he's you been know, sent off already this season, hasn't he? Yes, he got two yellows against. What was it? Oh, against Villa. Villa. Yeah, Villa. Was, yeah, yeah, against yeah. Villa. Um, and I like that about him. And and people go, he's got another couple of seasons in him for me. He's that good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I can't really say much more. He's, like I said, by far the best player that I've had the pleasure of watching it for Wolves in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Must and we have. could we could sit and eulogise on midfielders yes, both clubs because it is it is it is that position where it's very easy to make fans fall in love. Obviously, I've, I've given quite a few honourable mentions already, but massive, massive shouts to Jonathan Greening and Robert Corran, who, uh, and Graham Dorans as well, who were just instrumental at a really exciting time to be an Albion fan um, when I was a teenager. Um, and I think, yeah, th- these would be two very interesting polls. Yeah, because, definitely. Yeah, definitely. so... We've got, on the one hand, we've got Moutinho, who has achieved everything against Jason Kumas, who is utterly, utterly magic. Like, it is somebody who has achieved everything and someone who should have achieved everything in football. Yeah, he's, he's one of the few Albion... I mean, I've got to say, listen, particularly as a late teenager um, and, and just before um, the, the time when I, when I started working for Wolves, we've clacked him. Um, <laughs> That that sort of era of, of Gira, um, Greening, uh, Kumas, um, Corrin. I'm missing that. Corrin, they literally tore Wolves a new arsehole for three, for, for, for two or three seats. Yeah. Absolutely, I, was, I bloody sat in that South Bank, and every time them four came tear arsing at you with Diamante Kamara overlapping them, I thought, Jesus Christ, here we go, you know, and um. It, it, yeah. it was, yeah, it, it, it was, it was a very, very good midfield. But go, to go back to Jason Kumas, he's one of the few I've always liked when he was at Wigan. I liked him. Yeah, um, I've always liked Kumas as a player, and again, he's one of those players that I thought, Christ, if he'd have just looked after himself a bit better, no, he used to carry a bit of weight. He used, to, he used to carry himself. He used to carry a bit of weight, didn't he? He fluctuated um, a lot. Yeah, I yeah. think. It, I think he just really, really. Um, probably struggled with the demands of professional football, yeah, and yeah. he was we, one we of those just, players who just had all the talent and none of the drive. We remember Andy Reid? Yep. Forrest, I mean, great yeah, player, yeah. what a great left foot he had. He could have gone to bigger, better things. And he, I think he was the same, struggle with the demands of it. He often, t- he often, often played overweight and things like that. But uh, Kumas is one of them, them players that he was very, very good to watch. Wherever he played, even at the Albion, I had a bit of a thing where I thought, fuck it, yeah, I'd love him at the Wolves, I would. Yeah. Um, you know, good, good, good player. So that'll be... Um, it depends on who sees the poll and who it goes out to. I think, yeah. depending on what audience it reaches, I'll be an interesting one. But I think yeah. recency bias might help Moutinho a little bit. Um, but I, it, we've picked two massive figures for the clubs. Kumas was huge. Kumas is is a real cult hero. Moutinho is on his way to Future being a Wolves legend. Manager. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's he's on his way to being a Wolves legend. So it'd be a very, very interesting one. Um, and then obviously we've got in the other poll, which we'll be putting out today, we've got Alex Ray against Yusuf Malumbu. More of an industrious yeah. sort of battle. Definitely, um, yeah. Yeah, two, two players who... Um, wore their heart on their sleeves and would really, really, really work hard for the cause. Um, which yeah. not to say Kumas and, and Moutinho didn't, but um, I'd love to see these two heading towards each other for a 50-50, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, so we'll put that out on Twitter today, guys. Uh, that's at BCR Pod on Twitter and you can find us, no problem, hopefully. Now, just last yeah. little thing before we finish. Um, it is Christmas coming up um, and we don't want to finish with the negative um, wave of rambling that we started this podcast with. Um, so looking forward on hopefully a lighter note, JB, I want you to answer a couple of questions for me about Christmas um, and obviously yep. still linked to football. Um, who from Wolves would you like to have around for Christmas dinner? Now, obviously you may be bubbled already with people on Christmas day, um, but if it was a normal Christmas, which Wolves player or manager would you have round for Christmas dinner? Just the one. Just the one, mate, yeah. yeah. Nuno. 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 Really? Nuno, mate. I, I would love to sit and, and share a bottle with Nuno and just chew the fat <laughs> and talk and ask him why he played Otisori in a false nine against Burnley. <laughs> uh, no, no, on a serious note, listen, our, you know, as I said earlier, he's open for criticism and I think he's not bulletproof, but that man is just our messiah. He's our hero. And I would love to cook him a nice <laughs> beef dinner with all the trimmings and I'd serve him the finest Portuguese red with a couple of tequila <laughs> shots to follow. And me and Nuno would just sit down and we'd reminisce and he could talk about, you know, his days when he, when he played for... Porto and played under Mourinho and I'd talk about when I played for Canuck YC and Hawkins and, <laughs> and when you work for Wolves when I work for Wolves not uh, that you mention it enough and um, yeah and, and yeah we just we just become best mates and just live happily ever after I think so oh well, it's lovely yeah. that is very it nice is. It's very festive <laughs> Very festive, yeah. Very festive. Uh, can I ask you the same or are we going to ask yeah, yourself anyway? Um, I so I there's a couple to be honest I'm tempted just to pick Sam Allardyce to see him drink the you gravy I'd be amazing I'd be um, amazing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to see him drink the gravy would be phenomenal but um, I will go for uh, Remain Sawyers because he's an Albion lad I would love to just sit and just chat Albion with him yeah yeah sure not only this season but just in general um, yeah yeah I, I wouldn't mind um Christmas dinner with Billich. I imagine we get through a few beers, move on to the red wine, um, yeah. retire to the sitting room, and uh, <laughs> and get a, a guitar out. I know Slavin Billich is massive on guitar. And, s- and s- sing, sing some Croatian folk or something yeah. like that. So he's, apparently, he's, he's into European heavy metal, so he could give me a, a whistle stop tour around that. Um, and then are. finally, a little bit more serious one. Um, who is on your Christmas list? Give me a name. Give me a position, maybe. Who would you like Wolves to sign in the January window? Um, first and foremost, a striker. Um, unrealistically risky, whatever, but I'd love Balotti. I'd love Balotti. It's not going to happen, I know, but I'd love Balotti. Um, that would be my ultimate wish for this transfer window. Yep. So Get instead Bilotti of dear Santa, in. it's dear Mendes. Yeah, yeah dear Mendes, go, go and do your business. 
get Bellotti over. Um, likewise, I would like to see us invest in a, in, in, in a quality centre half. I can't give you a name because I haven't done my prep on this. Yeah. Um, I did but, spring that on you a little bit. You did, but no, that's fine. But if I could ask, if I could ask Santa for two, I would say Bellotti and a quality centre half. And yeah. then actually, I would be happy with that. And I think that would allow us to kick on for the second half of the season. I really do. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, it's a bit difficult for Albion because I look at that squad and I kind of think we've got a lot that I'm really happy with, but then I could probably do a lot with with a full Christmas list. There's a few I'd replace. But I think <laughs> the, the biggest area where we need a little bit more um, would be the spine of the team. And I'm not saying by a whole new spine, but I think oh, I if, yeah, I know. But if we had one more quality centre-back and a holding midfielder. Jake Livermore is not going to cut it. Um, we need a holding midfielder and a centre-back. But if I had to choose one, I would say a holding midfielder. Somebody yeah. who is going to get about the midfield. Yusuf Malumbu, maybe. Um, I think we'd, yeah. we'd... Or Claudio Jakob, we'd look a, a lot better with one of those two. Another want special, to grab the game on the mention. for the neck and be able to sort of like drag you out of the pits a little I think bit Gallagher can do that. But at the moment, he's having to do so much defensively. And the same for Sawyers. They're both a little bit shackled um, because of how much defensive work they have to do. But if they had another midfielder there to help them out, who was a little bit more mobile than Jake Livermore and less of a loose cannon who's going to get himself sent off, um, then I think they, they would look a lot better. So I think that one tweak would probably improve a lot of players. So I'd say a holding yeah, yeah. midfielder is high on my Christmas list. Fair enough. Yeah. All good, my man. So for anybody listening, thank you very, very much for getting this far. We are just over an hour recording time. That is a long wow. old podcast. Yeah. Um, good luck wrap, wrap, around Christmas. I know. Wrap up these predictions quick. People I know, yeah. Bored. I know, yeah. Um, we just need to touch briefly on a couple of games um but we haven't we haven't had time to go into them totally in depth but we we discussed both sides at length at the start so you know our thoughts entirely on them um firstly Albion play Liverpool and yes Sam Allardyce was the last manager to get a result at Anfield uh, to get a win at Anfield but I can't see it happen again. Um, I have to say, I think we are in for a loss. I don't think it will be a drubbing because um, Allardyce will set up so that cannot happen. But I'll say 3-0 Liverpool. Um, what do you think, JB? Is that is that me being optimistic? Will it be worse? Yeah, no, 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 no. 4-0, 4-0 Liverpool. 4-0 Liverpool? Um, 4-0. 4 0 Liverpool, that's probably fair enough. And then after that, uh, Albion play Leeds, and we'll do both Wolves games in a second. Albion yeah, yeah. play Leeds. That could be a real clash of styles. That could be a really interesting game. We could maybe try and get a pod out on Monday um, next week, but it's Christmas. I know people aren't going to have the time to listen necessarily, and we might not have the time to record. So we can't promise a pod before then, but we will do our best. Um, I just to get a sort of feel a prediction out. I would go for a draw in that game. Um, I think we might be able to pinch something on the counter, but we won't stop them scoring because we never stop Leeds scoring. They always seem to score against us. Uh, JB, um, so Wolves have got uh, two very difficult fixtures. Um, who's first up for Wolves? Um, just quickly, I'll go same as you, mate. Uh, oh, sorry, mate. Yeah. One, one all leads. One Albion. all. Oh, so yeah, I'll one go all, one all one to all. put a score on one it as all. well. Yeah, one all. Um, we've got Spurs at home Sunday evening, and yeah. then we've got Man United away less than forty-eight hours later. Um, I'm going to be the eternal optimist because it's Christmas, and 
2020 has been a shitbag. So it's the last two games of the year. So why not be as positive as possible? I'm going to go 2-1 Wolves against Spurs. Um, and I'm going to go one all against Man United. And Very interesting. Fingers crossed Nuno can bring my Christmas dreams true and I'll save him that bottle of Portuguese red. <laughs> I'm going to go for... Um, oh, by the way, if Sam Allardyce gets any uh, gets a win for the next two games, I'll save him a pint of gravy as well. Um, yeah. Now, Spurs, <laughs> I think we'll have too much for Wolves. Um, I think I'll go for 2-0 there. And then yep. Man United against Wolves. I think there could be um, more goals than there normally is in those games. Um, when Wolves play Man United, it tends to be very cagey th- these days. Um, but I will go for a two-all scoreline in that Ooh, game. Yeah, so 2 nil Spurs, 2-all Man United against Wolves. And that just about does us, really. It's Christmas now and we can, yeah. we can have that glass of gravy or yeah. Portuguese red and put our feet up. <laughs> Uh, it's been a, it's been a, been a pleasure, young man. Uh, As always, we're gonna get one. We're gonna get, we're gonna get one in. Are we gonna we gotta get one in next next week. We'll we get one in before the, the new year. Yeah, we'll we'll, oh, we'll, we'll try and sort one after Boxing Day before the next game. So before the Leeds and Man United games. But if well. we don't. I'm not sure anyone's going to come hunting us down. I'm sure people understand this time of year. No, no. Absolutely. Okay, JB, thank you as ever. And to anybody listening, thank you. And Merry Christmas from the Black Country Ramble. Merry Merry Christmas, guys. (laughs) Brilliant. Okay, see you next week, Jack. And I'll see you next week, anybody who's listening.